Hey everybody, my name is Tyler. I'm the student pastor here at FCC. Welcome to our podcast. We're glad you joined us. Let's get into the word. There you go. It's good to be back. It's good to see you all again. Uh, I love of what you guys are doing this year. Taking a walk through the whole Bible. One of the things, I don't know if some of you guys know, but I work for an organization called Scriptures in Use, and I train believers around the world on how to give access to people who may not read and write or prefer not to read and write to the Word of God. And one of the things we do in our training is we try to instill this idea that God's Word, the Bible, is not a book of, it's not a book of instructions necessarily. It's not a book of rules, which is what you kind of are led to believe growing up. But God's word, the Bible, is a collection of stories. It's God's story. And that's what we're doing here this year, FCC. We're going through God's story. And so one of the things that is really cool sometimes when you get to go back through is you almost get to put up a clothesline. Where do I fit? Where does this story fit in the clothesline? How does this fit in with everything? I've heard all these names But how do they fit in with God's story? Where do I fit in with God's story? What is he even doing? And so we're going to do that a little bit today. We're, uh, last week, you guys spent some time with the law. That's fun to preach on. (laughs) But uh, the law, God making a covenant with his people. But one of the things I want to do is is let's let's hang a clothesline. And as we go through God's word, we're going to hang more articles of clothing, more shirts and pants and underwear on this clothesline, and it's going to start to fill in. And the more we understand about what God is doing, the more we understand where we fit in, and the more we begin to appreciate what he's done. All right? So as I go through this, I'm going to go back to the beginning. So bear with me. Today is going to be kind of like one big, long story. I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to go through this. I had goosebumps when I was kind of going through this because I just felt like these broad breaststrokes, painfully broad breaststrokes, can be powerful. So I want us to think through. Uh, You got your bulletins, kids. How many kids in the room? Just mine up there in the, there you go. Family's up there in the balcony. Uh, Be ready to draw some pictures of things that we're going to go through some stories. Uh, But I want you guys to write down, if there are any big themes that come out, I want you to write them down, okay? Because we don't always get a chance to do this. And today's story, we're going to be spending some time with Joshua, the leader after Moses. And I want you guys to see how this fits in. What is God doing? Let's look for signs for what God is doing. So, we started with who? Who's the beginning? Beginning of the year, who was it? Adam and Eve. The first family, we got to see what God gave us. We got to see what we lost. So Adam and Eve, they didn't trust God and obey him. They took matters into their own hands, and they brought shame and a curse on God's creation. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they realized that they were what? They were naked. And what did they try to do? They tried to cover their shame by doing what? Fig leaves. How well did that work? No, it didn't work too well, did it? All right? So they tried to cover their own shame. And so God comes into the picture, and he pronounces judgment on what first? Do you remember? No. 
the serpent, all right? And in the midst of this judgment, he says something really cool. Do you remember what he said? He said, the woman's descendant will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Wow, that's crazy, all right? <laughs> and then the very first sacrifice happened because of Adam and Eve's, you guys remember what God did? He killed an animal, and what did he do with the skin? He covered their shame. Do we have the ability to cover our own shame? Who does? All right? So the first sign, the first sign that we see from Adam is that we brought shame, but only God can remove it. Only God can cover it. Pay attention to that. Remember that. So then the next sermon that you guys listened to, the next was who? <laughs> the only one I hear answering is my dad. <laughs> Come on. Come on, people, you're making him look bad. So Cain and Abel, what happened? Yeah, he murdered. So we begin to see the effects of sin. It didn't just affect Adam and Eve, it affected everything. The curse, the shame. And with Cain, the first murder, the first loss of life, sin and shame begin to fill the earth. This is what happens. More suffering, more pain and destruction. So then... Things get worse and worse and worse and worse. And it got to a point where everyone all over the place, only evil thoughts all the time. Pretty crazy statement. And then, but there's one person who? Noah. You guys, good job, dad. You guys are listening. You're getting it. You're remembering. All right. All right. So you get Noah and he walked with God. So you have this, this idea that God warns the people of earth. And who's the only person that listens? Noah. So God warns people who will listen. And Noah's righteous, and he listens to God, and he obeys God. And he starts building this ark. No idea why, never been seen before, but he heeds God's warning. And we see in the, we see in the story of Noah that God saves those who obeys him, who trusts in him, regardless of whether or not they understand what he's doing. And God will provide a way to be saved. Now, in the flood, was there any other way to be saved? Was there any other way to be saved? No? So God will provide a way to be saved, and it is the only way. So we see the ark as a sign of what God is doing. He will provide a way. Something happened. We ruined it. We shame. We brought Shane and Shim. Oh, Shane and Shim. There you go. All right? So the ark is provided. God, only those with his obedience, with obedience to him, will be saved. So then Noah, and then we get to, who is the next person in line? Abraham. And God makes a covenant with Abraham. Do you remember what he said? He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all, listen, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Pretty cool promise. God speaks to his people. He reveals himself. He gives us a way to know him. There's this really crazy a scene where God tells Abraham to get a bunch of animals and split them in half and put them in a row. And there was a tradition at a time when a king came in and conquered a land, those that were conquered would do this ceremony and they would walk through between the animals and they say, if I break this new covenant with you, I will be torn apart just like these animals. So Abraham is waiting and waiting and waiting for God. And then he falls into a deep sleep and then God appears as a smoke, burning smoke. And guess what God does? He walks through 
not Abraham. And he says, if you break this covenant, I will be torn apart. It's a really quick story, but it's saying something about what God is doing. When you break this covenant, I will be torn apart. So, and then, so we have this covenant with this people that's being set apart. And then Abraham finally has a son, right? And then what does God ask him to do? What is he thinking? He finally is, is, is letting Abraham see that he's fulfilling the promise. And the very thing that is fulfilling the promise, God's going to take away. It's a pretty crazy request, isn't it? It's going to undo God's promise. But what does Abraham do? He obeys, he listens, he trusts God. Do you think he understood what God was doing? No. But what does God provide? A substitute. And what was that substitute? A lamb. So we can see, okay, God's showing us more and more of what he's doing. Everything's pointing forward, guys. Everything in God's story is pointing to something. We're not there yet. All right, we don't know. Abraham doesn't know. So God will provide a substitute. He will provide a substitute. And we see from the story, it's a lamb. All right, so then uh, we have, who's next after that? After Abraham, we have Joseph. Remember, Joseph's life's completely upturned and he's taken to Egypt. But what does God end up doing through him? saves the people. They end up moving to Egypt, all right? And Joseph has this really costume thing when he's forgiving his brothers. He says, don't be afraid. Am I not in the place of God? Even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So this budding nation of Israel, they're growing and multiplying. They moved to Egypt, were saved from the famine, but eventually what happened? They become slaves, big nation. So they're in this predicament. They're slaves. God, what are you doing? Where are you? And what is, who does God raise up? Jacob? <laughs> Moses, God's man, raises up a leader, rescues people. And when my dad talked about that, remember at the burning bush, who did God say he was? I am that I am. And how did he phrase it for you guys? I will be who I will be. I will do what I will do. All right? And all the plagues that happened were a direct attack on all the gods of that area. And the word began spreading. And that final plague was what? What was the last plague? The death of the firstborn. And so God provides a way. He says, hey, if you don't want to come under the death and destruction, what did the Israelites need to do? Okay. Blood of what? The blood of the lamb and put it where? On the door. Cover the house. And if they did this, what would they be rescued from? death. So we see another sign. Okay, God will provide a lamb, and it will be the blood of the lamb, the covering of this blood that will save us. Okay, we're starting to get more of this picture here. So we have the Passover, and then God leads his people out of slavery, right? And through the Red Sea, and there's a series of crises. The only thing that Israel could do was trust in him, trust and wait on God. Red Sea, flood, no water, no food, enemies, and God makes a new covenant with them on the mountain, talked about last week. And he shows them his ways. This is who I am. This is how you partner with me in what I'm doing. And while he's up on the mountain, what do they do? They build a golden calf. 
so quickly. They had just left Egypt. They had just seen the Red Sea. How in the world can their hearts be so hard? How can they fall away so quickly? So in spite of all that, God leads them to the edge of the promised land. And here's where our man today comes into the scene. You remember? Moses sets apart 12 spies, two of which are who? Joshua and Caleb. And so they go in for 40 days. Four, 40 days. I was like, okay. 40 days. And when they come back, Joshua and Caleb are like, it's flowing with what? Milk and honey. We can't believe the size of this fruit. And the other 10 spies, what do they say from the other tribes? They're giants. We're like grasshoppers. What are you doing, God? You're just leading us here to be killed and slaughtered? Woo! After all they've seen, how can their hearts be so rebellious? And they're so angry, they even threaten to stone Joshua and Caleb. So God condemns them, that generation, to wander in the wilderness for how many years? For every day you scouts were in the land, you will wander for 40 years until none of this generation is left. And they get mad. They say, oh, we, we want the promised land now. And so they try to go in. They get slaughtered. They will not do it God's way. Rebellious, grumbling, complaining, distrust, even after all they saw. How will God deal with these hearts of stone? And then after 40 years, they finally come back to the east side of the Jordan River and they're camping there. And this is where we get Moses' last week. He's been journeying with these people. And at this point, all of them, have the previous generation have died. And so you have the first five books of the Torah, right? You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus is where the law, Numbers is where you have the, all the stories of everything that happened, and then you have the last book of the Torah, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is Moses going back through God's ways, again with this new generation, clarifying things, pleading with them. These last words, and it's a speech to his people where he warns them and prophesies, even prophesies that they will be exiled, that they will rebel against God. Joshua, at this point, has been appointed to this new leader. And in all of this, where, where Moses is like, man, you guys are so rebellious, he makes a promise. He says, one day the Lord your God will change your heart, will circumcise your heart and the hearts of all your descendants, so that you will love him with all your heart and soul, and so that you may live. And Moses gives him a choice. He's like, who are you going to choose? Who are you going to choose? In his final words, he says to them, take heart all the words of warning I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children, so that they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will, be, you will enjoy a long life in the land, and you will occupy when you cross over the Jordan River. So Moses dies. He climbs up the mountain. God shows him what? Shows him the promised land. And then Moses dies, and God buries him. The word says that no one knows where he was buried. Crazy, crazy intimate. God's servant. And so you have the, the end of the Torah. This is where we're picking up after the Torah ends, these first five books. And there's all these questions that are unresolved that we're going to look at today. When will this descendant of the woman come to save us from evil and defeat evil? How is God going to rescue the world through Abraham's family? How can a holy God be reconciled with a rebellious people? How will God transform our hearts? All of these things are unresolved. We don't know how he's going to do it yet. 
And the Torah is written to people that have yet to come into the promised land and have yet to see who their Messiah will be. First five books of the Bible. Remember that, all right? So now we get to our man, Joshua. And it says that when Moses, God's servant, died, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. And these are the words he said. He said, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead all of these people to possess the lands I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you can be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So Joshua passes these on to this people, and they echo back. They tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. And so, kids, this is where you guys can start drawing, all right? This is where we're going to get into the story today, all right? So this is Israel coming into the promised land. So the first thing Joshua does, all right, is he sends two spies from the Israelite camp there at this Acacia Grove on the east side of the Jordan River. And he tells the spies, he says, I want you to go and scout out the land on the other side of the river, especially around what city? Jericho, especially around Jericho. And so the spies did, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho that some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sends orders to Rahab. And she says, bring out the men that have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Now, Rahab had hidden them, but she replied to the soldiers. She says, yeah, they were here earlier, but I didn't know who they were. They left at dusk right as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but maybe if you hurry, you can catch up with them. So actually, Rahab had hidden them on the roof underneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. And so the king's men left and they searched along the road that led to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. Now, before the spies went, oh, and as the soldiers were leaving, the gates of Jericho were shut. No way out. But before the spies went to sleep, Rahab goes up to speak to them. Are you listening to this? This is awesome. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone is living in terror because of the story we have heard about how the Lord gave you a dry path through the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. We are living in terror. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Canaanite prostitute. And those words just came out of her mouth. And then she goes on. She says, now swear to me. Swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family because I've helped you. 
Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all their family. And so the two spies respond. They said, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you and your family when the Lord has given us the land. So since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. And she said, escape to the hill country. Hide there for three days while the men who are searching for you. And when they return, you can go on your way. And so before the spies left, they gave her, they said to her, they said, we are bound by this oath we have taken, but only if you listen to these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. It's not going to stay, is it? And your family, and your family, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives, they must be here in this house. If they go out in the street and are killed, it won't be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people in this house, we accept the responsibility for their death. And so, and they said, if you, if you betray us, however, we will not be bound by this oath in any way. So Rahab replies, she says, I agree to your terms. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. And so the two spies went up in the hill country and they hid there for three days while the men who were chasing them searched all along the road. But the men finally came back without success. And so the two spies left the hill country, crossed over the Jordan River and reported back to Joshua everything that had happened to them. And they told Joshua, the Lord has given us the whole land. All the people in the land are terrified of us. It's a pretty cool story. All right? So, things are beginning to happen. Some thoughts. What do you guys think the significance of this is? Does this remind you of anything? What? Yeah, the Passover. Isn't it weird that they recorded this specific detail in the story? That it happened to be a scarlet rope? Let me read Rahab's statement of faith real quick to you guys again. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we've heard the story of how God provided a straight path, a dry path through the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing these things. For I know that the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. So, we have this crazy thing where how are they going to get across the Jordan River, right? I'll just blow through this real quick. The Jordan River, at that time, it says harvest, harvest time, the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It was literally the worst time in the year to cross the Jordan. Isn't that something God would do? <laughs> it's like over and over and over again. It's like the, the Israelites are like, this is not a good plan. <laughs> we could do this better. So he says, 
the Ark of the Covenant. He says, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give the commands to the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps in there and stop. And what happens? The waters recede back, way upriver, and they build up in a giant wall. And all the waters going down to the Dead Sea dry up. And Israel goes across. While the priests are still in the middle, Joshua tells them to gather all these stones. And they pile stones from the middle of the river on the west bank. And then they pile stones in the middle so that when the river is dry, they can see them. And then it says, he says, <laughs> I love this. He says, when your children ask, what are these stones, mommy? What are these stones, daddy? Tell them about what God did to the Red Sea and to the Jordan. And it tells us a little bit about why God did this and continues to do these things. It says, he did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. And even says when all the kings in, the Med- in that area, when they heard what God had did, that dried up the Jordan River, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear. All the kings in the area. And so they come across, all the men are circumcised again because of this new generation, and they had to rest, celebrated Passover. You would have to as well if that happened to you. <laughs> and God said, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So they are in the land. This new generation, they're in the land for the first time, filled with giants, filled with impossibilities. And manna stopped. Guys, remember, God had been feeding them with manna the whole time. And as soon as they ate from the land, from the the fruit of the promised land, the manna stopped. So the big question, guys, is will Israel obey and trust God? What will they do? Over and over again, we see their rebellious hearts. How are they going to respond? Time and time again, they see, and yet they don't trust. There's two battles that happen, Jericho and Ai. We're going to look at Jericho first. So, commander of the Lord's army comes. Joshua sees him and says, hey, are you friend or foe? You remember what the guy says, the angel? He says, neither. Neither. I'm neither friend nor foe. Whose side are you on, Joshua? Ooh. Israel doesn't get a free pass. They got to follow. They got to trust. And so this commander of the army tells Joshua the instructions. Do you remember what he told them to do? What were they going to do? So, they were going to march around Jericho following the Ark of the Covenant for how many days? Seven days. The first six days, how many times did they march around? Once each. On the seventh day, how many times? Seven days. And at the end of the time, the seventh time, the priests would give a loud blast, and what were the people supposed to do? Shout as loud as they could. And then he said, God will deliver Jericho into your hands. Okay? I don't know what he's going to do. And so can you imagine being Joshua and relaying those instructions to the people? <laughs> I do not envy him at all. Okay, Lord. So they do it. And he also commanded that all the precious metals, all the iron, gold, silver, bronze, all those things be consecrated and given to the Lord. No plunder this time, guys. All the livestock, all the people, everything. Not taking any of it. So it gives very specific instructions. And so, long blast, people shout, and what happens? Walls of Jericho fall down, and all the Israelites rush in. And they do. They take everything, give it to the Lord. And Joshua sends in the two spies to get Rahab. 
and they relocate her close to Israelite camp where she lived with them. She continued to live with them. And they burned everything. So, just a couple thoughts about this story before we move into the second battle. Matthew 1. What do you see in Matthew 1? The first chapter of Matthew is the genealogy of Jesus. So it says, Salmon was the father of Boaz. You guys recognize that name? Boaz. Who did Boaz marry? Ruth. All right. And so Boaz and Ruth, they had Obed. All right. And Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of who? Four generations to get to David from Rahab. That's pretty crazy. So you have a Canaanite prostitute that's in the lineage of Jesus. So one of the things that I noticed in this story, before we move on, is God gave Jericho seven days to repent. Just like Rahab. Did they? Did they repent? What happened to them? Yeah, they were destroyed. So... If Jericho highlights God's faithfulness, guys, then the battle of Ai highlights Israel's rebellion. So they send scouts into Ai, and they go, ah, this is an easy town. We got this. And so Joshua doesn't consult the Lord. And they go in with a couple thousand, 3,000 people, and what happens to them? They are destroyed. They're, they're chased away. And they're terrified. They're like, Lord, you've abandoned us. And God says, you have sinned against me. Someone stole plunder. Woo! And so, God says, bring all the nation of Israel before me. And he says, tribe of Judah, come forward. Tribe of Judah comes forward. This clan, come forward. Comes forward. This family, come forward. Achan, come forward. And he confesses. And then his family, they deal with it very severely. And his whole family is wiped out. And they give those things to the Lord's simple only after humble confession of sin and obedience to God. Then he gives them a new plan and they conquer Ai. So these are the first two battles in the promised land. You see how different in one battle, what did they do? They trusted God and he gave them away. In the second battle, what did they try to do? do things on their own way. And they had unresolved sin. Unresolved sin. So the rest of the story of Joshua, the rest of the story of Joshua is they have a bunch of other battles. There's a crazy battle, go and read it, where all the kings uh, ally against Israel and Joshua prays for the sun to stop. And it does, giving them enough daylight to deal with the enemy so they don't get away. That's crazy. That stretches the faith. But does it not, it lines up with everything else God did that was crazy. God, I am who I am. I will do what I do. <laughs> so they inherit all the land. They're dividing up. And then we get to Joshua's final words to his people. Very, very similar to Moses. Obeying and loving God will lead to blessing. But unfaithfulness will lead to judgment. The same judgment that came on the Canaanites because they refused to repent. And he predicts that they would be exiled from the land. That's coming in a, a later episode. All right. Joshua leaves them with this question. What will you do, Israel? What are you going to do? 
pleads with him, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors. Worship back in Egypt and serve the God alone. But if you you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served in Egypt? Or will it be these new gods of the Amorites? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So, did any of those questions get resolved that we talked about? You still got the same questions, remember? When is the descendant of the woman going to come to defeat evil? How is God going to rescue the world through Abraham's family? How can a God be reconciled with a rebellious heart, with a rebellious people? How can you have a holy God in my rebellious heart? It seems pretty incompatible. How will God transform our hearts? So we got this story, all right? Looking back, this is what we have seen. Remember these things. This is what we are looking for. We have brought shame and separation by our rejection of God. Me, you, we have brought that. We have rejected God. And only he can cover our shame. And it will be through a descendant of Adam. It will be a second Adam that will not fail like the first. We know these things. We know that our sin and shame has filled the earth and it destroys our lives and communities. Can I get an amen to that? How much destruction and pain and suffering comes when I try to do things my own way? But he will provide a way to be saved. And guys, it's the only way. Just like the ark. Try to do it yourself, I dare you. How's that going for you? God has made a covenant with us and he will pay the price for our rebellion. He will provide a substitute sacrifice for us. And we know that substitute will be a lamb. Remember that. And only if we are covered in the blood of the lamb will we be saved from death and destruction. God has given us his way and it is life. But we know that our hearts are hard and rebellious. How will he deal with our hard hearts? He promises to give us a new heart that will finally be able to love him and obey him. Even as outsiders like Rahab, he provides a way for us to come into his family. If we believe in him, if we trust him, The great I am is the one who brings life. He is the one who does it for us. We cannot save ourselves. Humble repentance, acknowledgement, dealing with our sin, trusting him, loving him, waiting on him to bring us under his salvation. So just like Joshua asked you guys, what do you choose? Stay tuned for the next episode. There's more to come. Thanks everybody for tuning in with us today. Stay tuned for more content coming soon. Have a blessed day.